This episode of the UNI podcast is recorded in front of a live studio audience. <laughs> Podcasting from the city of dreams and unending traffic, you're tuned in to the UNI podcast with the host, Mifa Adejumu. Whoa. White captain like the stripe on a tum-tum See how we got famous where we come from But liars from teaspoons to lump sums What a conundrum All I did was make lines like when ABC bus comes Now they singing tread softly with caution You attract the wrong people when they know about your fortune I'm worried maybe that'll be my portion I don't need a new So this is another episode of the UNI podcast This is your host Mifa Dejuma And um for today's episode i'm going to be having a conversation with a friend her name is tolu lope and she's a doctor and it's really really wonderful i i uh we kind of met on twitter so uh we had a good vibe you know we just chat around and i asked if she was going to mind you know sharing her thoughts on some issues and some you know just personal insights and some stuff and um it's really really dope the conversation we had was wonderful and i'm very sure everybody listening will enjoy it so uh without further ado um before i go further i would like to say thank you once again for clicking on the link for listening to this episode those who have been supporting me from the get-go i really appreciate your efforts to all my listeners and uh, if you want to reach out to me you could always reach out to me at my twitter handle which is mifa Unagbo at m-i-f-a-u-n-u-a-g-b-o so um without wasting your time here is the episode with dr tulu lope i'm sure you guys will enjoy it and then i'll see you guys at the end of the episode Technically, I still have two minutes left. Well, technically, I'm calling earlier. <laughs> okay. I hope you're good. I'm good. So this network is actually better, like you said. Okay. So was good. Now, how has been your day? Very chilled. By the way, I've started recording, so feel free to just be yourself. Oh my god. Is this really how it goes? Yeah, it's basically a conversation. It's nothing official. You're not checking if your mic is working or looking at your makeup and stuff. Madu. But first question I have to ask is a very important question, though. Hey, all right. Do you have bad handwriting? <laughs> <laughs> I should have seen that coming. <laughs> so that's yeah, it's like I very vital. Even if I say I don't right now, I could be lying because there's no way to prove it. But I'm I'm using your you know your Jesus speaking now, so I'm mm-hmm. I'm being very trustful that you you okay. not lie about such things. You see, I wouldn't say my handwriting is bad because it is very legible. I'll just say it's not fine. <laughs> That's weird. That's, that's, that's how I can describe it. It's not cussing. You're not going to see it and be like, oh, wow, beautiful. You, you do realize why I'm asking, though? Because I'm a doctor. <laughs> Very cliche. I, you can just I, say I don't, I, I don't think it's cliche. I think it's actually a, a fact. Like, out of, say, 100 <laughs> doctors, you'll probably have 
99 with terrible handwriting. So, 99 is an exaggeration. Actually, I don't think so. Because, let's be honest, growing up, all the doctors we came across, like, it was, it was almost like they were just writing one long line, put a dot in the middle, and it was, it was supposed to be named penicillin or something. <laughs> You see, the thing is, look at it this way. You have, on average, maybe 15 to 20 patients a day. Okay. At least. And each of these people will require you to write, and you're supposed to write on time so that they can go and the next person can come. Even for those with good handwriting, sometimes you just rush the process. How much more those like us that don't even have good handwritings? Like, just forget. The point is that you can see. The person I'm giving it to can see. That's all that matters. You know, this explanation actually sheds better light on the handwriting stuff, though. Thanks. And then there are some of us that have just never been good. It's just a problem. I don't so, know basically, you're admitting to having terrible handwriting. You see, I wouldn't say terrible. In my class, eh, in my class, we had this day where they were dissing each other, like, everybody's handwriting. I was in last. So, that's... I don't have terrible handwriting. I was, like, maybe fifth to the last... That's, that's actually last too. Like fifth to the last is still last. <laughs> it's not no. Like I would not. I wouldn't say I'm a handwriting, but like I said, it's legible because you can read what I wrote. But it's just not fine. Okay, so let's let's segue into the whole medical school. How 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 was it? Because here's my perception of people that go to medical school. Uh-huh. Una too like book. That's just a simple perception. Like you guys, it's almost as though you would. If you don't see enough novels to read, and you're just like, shit, I think I should just go and read Human Anatomy and stuff. So, how how does it work for you? Like, when did you make that decision that this is the career path you wanted to pursue? Well, for me, I my grandfather, I grew up a little bit with my grandparents, and my grandfather was doing what people like to call orthodox medicine. He was a herbalist. I, I'm, I'm afraid to use that term because people think you're talking about Babalawu. Okay. It's not, <laughs> he was like a herb. He used to use herbs and mix all those flowers and stuff. He read horticulture and some other things like that. So, you know, growing up, I would always sit with him while he's mixing his herbs. And I just started telling him at that age that I was going to become a doctor. And basically, the dream did not die. Okay. Time. So that was how I made the decision. It was not like I saw someone dying or anything. It was just growing up seeing that old man do those things and watching people come around. I just, I found myself liking the idea of being a doctor and that was about it for me. Okay. Then about reading and everything, I would say that, I mean, we have to read, not necessarily because we like to read, but because there's no option. Okay. You either read or you fail. And I mean, I wouldn't call myself someone that loves reading. I just don't like feeling. That, <laughs> I like that. I like that. Like, it's not a good feeling to fail. And medicine is so voluminous that you cannot afford to read. I, I hear some students say, oh, I have an exam. I'm going to read one week to the exam. It is almost impossible for a medical doctor to read for a blog posting, which is like maybe three months in one week and pass it is almost impossible hmm. i i don't i don't know how they are obviously they are geniuses and that's why i'm saying almost because there'll be exceptions to the rules here but ha i, I don't even with all the excess reading say you are starting on time you hardly you never finish the curriculum how much more saying you want to wait till the dying moment 
you know i mean for my final exam i started reading from like let's say february for exam that was in was it july and <laughs> as at the point of the exam i was still crying oh my god I'm like, oh my god i don't know what i you know like everybody was like people that are not medical were like are you kidding me you've been reading for like five months what do you mean i'm like you can't understand it's just it just is what it is and like i said people will read because that's the only option you either read or you read hmm. so um would, would you say uh okay the idea is this eh? most people most people actually see the end product and be like wow she has completed medical school wow she's a doctor now do you get to any points during your studies where you felt like man this shit is not for me or I should call this thing quits, or maybe I should find the easy way out or something. How did you handle that? Hmm. I, I see. I think every part in life at some point, you will find situations that will make you question your decision, where you would ask yourself, why did I even choose this thing? So entering medical school, I used to always tell people I was passionate. I wanted to save lives. I wanted to blah, blah, blah. But then when I started to feel like for someone who has, I wouldn't say have, I've never been the best in my class, but I've never been a bad student. You know, I was one of those people that used to pass with ease. I didn't have to read too much. I just knew things. I was sort of proud about the fact that I knew things as well. Okay. And then I came to this part of life where I had to struggle and read and read continuously to make sure that I don't fail. And then, you know, we have lecturers who want to always make you remember that you are small. You know, so there's a lot of harsh comments, insults, blah, blah, blah. And sometimes you just, you have those moments where you're just like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I'm done. I remember before one exam, I called my parents and I was just telling them, I don't know if I can, I can't do this again. I'm tired and this. And then my dad had to start reminding me of all the times that they told me, don't do this thing. And I was like, I'm so passionate. You know, I want to be this. And my father was like, you cannot tell me anything now. I don't know. <laughs> so I guess, I mean, for a lot of people, honestly, when you ask them, they'll tell you they've had those moments because they come. But then that's why we have our support systems. That's why we have those voices of reasoning that can tell you that the pain of now is not as important as the joy that will come eventually when you go through the storm and, you know, it ends well. So, yeah. That, that, sounds, that sounds very motivational. We should maybe start a motivational uh, YouTube page or something. I actually have a YouTube page, but it's not... What's it called? I'm not going to talk about that. Just no, you must way. talk, oh, you must talk. Oh. <laughs> it's because I haven't done anything in a while. I, what's the title of that thing? I think it's called Unalloyed Life. It's not, I think, it's called Unalloyed Life. So what was it about? So, um, the mind behind it is, one thing about me, if you have noticed, is that I am a Christian and okay. I do not shy away from talking about that. And I, I believe that something the church does is focuses a lot on just the Bible and the gospel and not about people and everyday life. Okay. So what unalloyed life tries to do is it tries to handle typical everyday situations, but add that element of faith to it so anything that comes to your mind as a believer whether it is food whether it is relationships or career anything we just we, i can you, i can answer any question like i did an episode on um should christians flirt you know things that 
everyday life things that you would like to have a Christian's perspective on, dating and all of that. So that's essentially what it is about. So it's not it's not all that churchy, but I still go there because I mean that's who I am. So basically, you're opening for my next question: Should Christians flirt? <laughs> go and watch the episode. No, 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 no. This is me asking you personally as the creator and. Uh, the mind, the brain behind unalloyed, should Christian flirt? Well, because of the meaning, flirting is um, basically giving some kind of sexual advances at somebody okay. to make the person know that you are interested. So I, at the end of the video, I said I don't think Christians should flirt in the conventional way, but I said we can have what I call a modified flirt, which is like you basically giving somebody a green light without it being sexual. Do you get what I mean? So how do you, how does one do that? Like coming from a lady's perspective, you see a guy you really like the guy, but you're a Christian and you don't want to stray from the the gospel. How do you give the green light? Is it something that you have to be vocal about? Like okay, hey dude, I like you or something. I mean, there are different ways. There's the non-verbal communication, how you respond to when someone talks to you, when you laugh, you know, when you also initiate conversations, how you respond to what the person says. All these things are, you know, things that can tell someone that I am interested. You don't necessarily need to ask him, hey, are you a big boy down there? And all the funny, funny things that people say. It's not... Do you get what I mean? Like you can have those conversations without being vulgar, basically. That's just so how 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 would it work? Basically, it also means the next person has to be able to catch um, some cues on his own. So if say a, a girl is interested, who is a Christian, is interested in a guy, he also has to be emotionally intelligent to pick up on those cues, right? Um, yes, but I think it's it's not that difficult to know when somebody's interested in you. Is it? Are you sure? I don't think it is. Personally, I, I really don't. There, Maybe you've had it starts, easier now. When a lady starts laughing at things that every other person is not laughing at, I mean, <laughs> and she's being unnecessarily nice, and, you know, her voice goes higher when you call, like, hey, how are you? And, like, <laughs> basic things like that will give you hints that this person is interested. So, like, well, I hear a lot of guys are really oblivious about these things, and in my own life, too, I've, I've noticed it. But, I mean, at some point, you can always just initiate the conversation and say, okay, I like you. It doesn't have to be. Flirting is just that, you know, how you can give bait, just something to make somebody know. But it, it's not, it never replaces the place of intention and, you know, being intentional to tell the person that this is what I want and blah, blah, blah. It's just to keep the phone, basically. That's just all flirting is. So which would you prefer, being intentional or flirting unintentionally which which would you which would be your go-to approach when it comes to dating i think there's a balance of the two okay i think you i would rather you introduce flirting first see how the person responds then you, you know you cannot just meet somebody and just start telling the person i like you i think i want to be with you like that's rather forward you know when you what flirting does is it allows you to test the waters so you know if this person is interested and how it's going to be like eventually if you get to that point of having those conversations okay that makes sense so um speaking about your faith um you you were raised a christian right eh, 
Yes, you can say that. Okay, so at what point did you become born again? Like, finally, um, basically, most of us were raised in a particular religion, but making that personal decision to actually, okay, follow this path, at what point in your life did you think, okay, this is the path I want to follow, this is the faith I want to subscribe to, this is what I want to be my author of? Well, um, why I was like, yes, sort of, when you asked me if I was raised a Christian, because, I mean, obviously, I, I was born into a Christian family and the whole go to church, blah, blah, blah. But in my house, nobody carries Christianity on their head. It's not <laughs> every Sunday we must go to church. Like, when I was growing up, is we wake up in the morning and we ask, will they go to church? And I say, oh, okay, fine. So it was not like do or die, that kind of thing. It was just cool. So, I mean, I was... I was, I wouldn't say I was a bad person. I wasn't a bad person. I just was never bothered with the idea of impressing anybody. And I still am not. And so I just grew up like that. When I can, I do. When I can't, I don't. And then I got into uni and, you know, I was not in the best headspace because of a lot of situations that had happened in life. And then I just met a couple of people who seemed to... I started going to church because my school made it compulsory. And I just began to interact with people who seemed to really love God for some reason. And they were just so hyper about the thing. And I'm just like, guys, calm down. I beg. It's not that serious, you know? Like, okay. yeah, everybody has this faith thing, but it's not deep. You don't have to be, you know? And then they just began to introduce me to their idea of God, what they knew about God how they found God, you know, hearing the stories of young people who, you know, had given their lives to Christ and all of that. And one thing that I'm glad they did was they introduced me to love through God that I had not seen before. You know, I knew the God that used to judge sins. I knew the God that, you know, would make me go to hell if I did wrong. But I didn't know the God who would leave 99 to chase me no matter what I did. You know, so that was what they opened my eyes to, the love that God had for me. And, you know, for me, it, it is what keeps me going because I'm like, till date, I'm still not the most churchy Christian. Nobody believes it when I say it. I go to church when I want to. It's not do or die for me. But there's one thing I, I constantly chase after, which is that love of God that I I was open to because I, I think it's the most humbling thing a believer can come to when you understand that, you know, the Bible says something. Uh, permit me to go churchy for a minute. No problem, says, no problem. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. It's like nothing. So it's like, what? I could do the wrongest thing right now. Whatever anybody can consider wrong. I could kill somebody and God will still love me. And, you know, that, that whole feeling of the love of God basically has just kept me hooked to the idea of God. So, yeah, that's my story. Well, that's, that's wonderful. I felt like I, I was in church right now. You remember yes. collect offering? Well, in fact, let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways, it's, it's really, it's really refreshing to hear your point of view when it comes to your faith. Uh, most times, um, personally, uh, me myself, I I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm a religious person. Like I grew up in a very religious home, not the kind of religious home that they, they must beat you if you don't go to church. But I had parents who believed, and I could see how it reflected in their lives. They, but they didn't have that judgmental part of their belief. They were always very open to everybody and anybody, but still quite rooted in their faith, and that has. 
even now these days when I tell people, okay, um, I don't go to church only when I feel like it. People still wonder. A friend asked me the other day, are you actually a Christian? I was like, yes. Because the best thing I think I got was a background that allowed me to understand that this has to be personal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, uh, most times, I don't think people understand that. People just feel, okay, let's do this to have a clique that we can call our own. Yeah. But most times it has to be personal. Like you have to understand that this person you are actually following, you revere him, you love him, and then yeah. you're not trying to be judgmental about the next person. Mm-hmm. So I think that helped a lot because my folks, uh, they would always push us to Sunday schools. And as much as we hated it back then, like I hated going to church back then because it was always a chore. But most of the lessons still resonates. Most of all the yes. things. So it's really, really, it's really great. I wish people could have that kind of ideology. I wish most Christians, and I don't want to be preachy, but I wish most Christians could have that ideology about their faith. Like, like you said, it's love. Once, I think that's just the whole point of Jesus' gospel was about love. I don't know why people were, people are misreading it. Like, that was the entire point, like love. The whole commandment was summarized in truth. And both of them were love. Just love your neighbor as yourself and give the same love to God, you know, mm-hmm. revere him or something. But the whole, I don't know, maybe it's a Nigerian thing, but the whole church space right now is not really doing that. And it's really scary. Okay, for instance, see the tweet you posted, uh, I think, was it today or last night? About looking for a church where you want to go and praise and, and somebody was quoting it and like, it's like, I I don't understand how people can just purposely misunderstand somebody's intention or whatnot. Yeah. I think this, these are all the things that, you know, makes people, young people decide to deviate from church and the whole gospel because it seems very loveless, you know. Yes. It seems like everybody is just doing their own thing, waiting for you to mess up, waiting yeah. to you know, do wrong and all of that. And honestly, that was one of the reasons why I felt I didn't want to be a part of church. I, there was a point I went three whole months and I was someone that everybody knew in church and I just went months without coming. And I was just like, you know what? This is not what I want. I can't be in this environment. But then I realized that sometimes you just need to be that light, you know. You need to be the person you are hoping that people would see. Wow, that's true. The fact that I know God for myself, the fact that I know that people can judge me from now till next year, God does not judge me. The fact that I, like, I don't think there's any Christian in this life that is capable of making me feel less of a Christian or less of a child of God because you know, God justified me. He called me. He justified me. He called me his child. So even if you don't like me, you have to deal with the fact that I am his child, you know. And yeah. that's why, for me, the gospel will be pointing people to God, allowing people to see God, not see another pastor. I'm not all about calling daddy, mommy, uncle, auntie, pastor, reverend. What? No, because the point is we're supposed to be directing people to Christ. 
not to ourselves so if my gospel becomes more about myself and what i think and less about showing people their way to god then those are the things that will make people to someday decide they are not coming to church again because of somebody because they feel like the reason why they are coming in the first place is because of somebody you know so like i for me that whole the whole thing that that guy said when i just saw the whole misguided person have what did he call me i just laughed and i was just like oh well I mean, this one just does not know his priorities. Because if you understand that this person is loved by God and God wants to reach this person, you will be more concerned about getting the person into that atmosphere that God can reach them as opposed whether or not the person likes music or whatnot. Like, there are so many things that interest people in life. And one of the easiest ways to influence people is to know what interests them. Yeah. So... If I know that somebody likes music or I would make myself, you know, learn a few things about music so that when I try to have conversations with the person, it flows or sports and whatnot. So if I have given you my cue and I said, okay, I like good music, what is the big deal? Is the most important thing not for me to be in the presence of God. Why can't I have that and have good music? Like, it, well, I don't even know, Jerry, but like, personally, I didn't really care because nothing he said was going to make me feel bad and make me say oh i need to go and repent blah 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 because at the end of the day it's not like i didn't say i didn't want to hear gospel or anything i know it's hear preaching i just said i would prefer to be in a place with good music because i have an ear for music and when music is bad it affects me i will just start laughing and you know i don't i don't want to be in that space where i lose focus of why i'm there because i'm concerned about what is not even important so I mean, it is what it is, and we just need yeah. to love people beyond all those things. Yeah, that's for you guys that have patience. To me, I don't block out it. I don't get, I don't get that time. Is it? Is it? I think people, some people are just, I just hell bent on making it their own way or nobody else. Like, like yeah, it's just, it's, it's terrible, and it's worse because they always tend to find some some. Thing to justify it with, and that just, mm-hmm. uh, I just, um, well, last last, they go do all right, they go do all right. So, <laughs> now to more pertinent issues, I think yeah. I'm sure anybody listening to this would want to know. So, when are you getting married? <laughs> <laughs> nice one. How is that a pertinent issue for the law? Yeah, now because we, I, I, I am asking the question because I want to actually get into the whole the whole tradition thing of wanting the of seeing a woman as the next like of saying that is the next step for any woman who basically maybe has gone to school you know graduated yeah. so it's almost like you you you're very sure at least you could know say at least five people in your family extended family are thinking of this question to you like ah it's like, not, they're not thinking they're asking is so <laughs> so please let's answer them now <laughs> When I get married, <laughs> when am I getting married? I don't even know. It would be a surprise to me myself. <laughs> but I mean, first of all, you you have to understand the mind behind why people ask this thing. It's not to shame you. It's basically because they love you and they just feel like, okay, what next? If not this, so I don't. I tend not to take offense, except when I know that somebody is deliberately trying to demean me with that you know i just laugh it off and i tell them if you want me to get married then you need to pray harder because 
nothing has happened. Have and you know, I just I just make a joke out of it. So um when am I getting married? When I find the right person and I am convinced that that's the next step to take. So are there any applicants? Ah, I hope Maurice is listening to this though. Oh wow. <laughs> is there any lady that never has applicants? It's just that's, that's that's true. Like so let me even get to that. How how do you now deal with it? Because right now you're like a very eligible bachelorette. Yeah. Yeah, now, the minute you have a doctor attached to your name, it all finished. You yeah. know, there's no, like, basically, you're everything and every, anything a man is looking for. So, basically, you have people in your DM sending you unsolicited messages and stuff. So, how do you deal with it? How are you able to just rise above the whole toasting thing? I think one thing I do is I try not to waste anybody's time. Okay. I'm, I don't waste people's time. I'm very intentional with the way I interact with people, particularly men. You know, so I know when a guy is interested and sometimes I'll give them time to, you know, make it known. But when a guy is not making it known, I help them and I just <laughs> bring it up and I say, okay, so is this where your mind is at? And if, I am not feeling it. I just tell the person straight up that please don't bother. I'm not interested. And I I don't just write people off. It sounds weird because people would think that I'm, I'm mean and this and that. But I actually try to ask leading questions. Every time I, I notice that somebody is interested in me, I start off conversations. I want to pick their brain a little bit and know what they think about certain things. And once we cannot agree on basic things in life, I just don't push it. So I I really don't keep toasters around. I'm not that person that will keep somebody toasting me for three months, four months. It's very rare. Except okay. I really like somebody. So, so like to clear space. We, we need you to give us a spoon now. What kind of leading questions would you ask a guy who just <laughs> yeah, pick his brain? Because if I give now, everybody will start looking. Just one, just one. Originality will be lost. Wait, now just one is Is you have you probably have a flurry of questions now so mm-hmm. just one just give us one exposure as we can we can you know go and read for our exams simple ones like what do you want to do with your life <laughs> that's not simple please it's a very simple question that's not simple at all it that is. is not simple that is not simple that's like one of the hardest questions ever that's what? jam on your own because in my experience it's it's um it's that kind of, it's the kind of question that you you can't really answer on the spot. Mm-hmm. Expect you except you want to be insincere and just blot out something that you've heard another person say somewhere else. Yeah. Like it's it's it actually requires that you and it's basically a f- kind of question you probably have to ask face to face and then allow the person. Allow the person to brood over it because to me, I'm speaking from my own point of view though. Mm-hmm. To me, it, it comes with a lot of reflection and then foresight, and then you also probably have to align the question with your own intention towards the person who's asking the question. So it's to me though, it might be easy to other people, but to me though, that would but be like it's not an easy question. That question I do. I'll just tell you. Sorry, let, I'm let coming. Let me tell you why I think that question is not supposed to be hard. 
because I think everybody should at some point have those moments with themselves where you ask yourself, what thing I did do with my life, Seth? You know, you, you, at a certain age, those things must come to your mind. Yeah, and I agree. I'm not, I'm not expecting that you give me a PowerPoint and say, oh, at the age of 25, I want to be, <laughs> you know, it is possible and and when people ask me that question let me give it to expo when people ask me that question one of the things i am quick to say is that one thing i have learned with life is that life is unpredictable so i may have my plans i may have my ideas but life can happen but all things being equal these are what i want you get so i'm not saying it must be set in stone i'm not saying it must happen you must give me date by 2021 i must this no but at least have an idea what do you want to do and then you can build on that so i asked someone that question recently and he answered me beautifully. He told me, you know, this is where he sees himself. He loves this career path and he just wants to go ahead with it. And I didn't, he didn't have to tell me next year I will this next year. He just gave me a broad overview and it just made me know that this person is in touch with himself, you know, and people would always say that, um, I, at this age of my life, in my 20s, I didn't know myself. I didn't this, I didn't. And I asked people, what were you doing with your 20s that you didn't know yourself? Because this is the time where you don't have children. This is the time where your responsibilities are less. So if you cannot be in touch with yourself and think and ask yourself these questions, what are the odds that when life starts happening and when children come into the mix and when other things come into the mix, you won't get lost? Yeah, that's, that's cool. But you do realize there are questions you could ask yourself and yourself would not readily answer you. So there's also that. Questions like what? I, I, I wouldn't be able to say anything for now because, uh, but my, my point is this. When it comes to self-reflection, it's, there, there, there has to be a, a balance per se because yeah. as much as yourself kind of knows what yourself wants, yourself also kind of lies to yourself at a certain point in time. So being able to see through that What the mistruths are What the fantasies are And just you know Be more realistic and more grounded That for me that also takes a Kind of skill on on its own rather That is not really That might not really be available to everybody For instance um, I think There are people who Growing up uh, have started being very conscious of who they are, like uh-huh. from a very very tender age. Not say as children, but you know, at a v- uh, for instance, let me use myself as an example. Uh, growing up, I, I I had this ability to be very aware of my surrounding, as even if I'm not really relating to it directly. So I I, I used to be called the quiet one. Like I rarely talk. I would just sit in one corner observing what not what not. And that played a part in the kind of person I am, meaning I'm not someone who kind of rushes head on into anything without really contemplating it. Mm-hmm. So it's easier for me to have that conversation with myself because I'm actually more in tune with myself. Like I kind of, I kind of live with myself all day. So being able to say, Hey, um, if I inside me, how are you doing? So what are we going to do about this stuff? It's easier. But there are people who have not really gotten to that place where they are, they are able to tune soon that dial to be able to talk to themselves in a certain kind of way so it's it probably would have to take uh, some 
training some I don't know. It, it will take time. So it's not I, I probably think it's not everybody that'll be able to just answer those questions. Yeah. And I agree with you. And I think that's an advantage if you meet me and I make you think of that. Even if we don't end up together, at least I have gotten one thing rolling in your head and I think that's a fair exchange, you know. That's because true. And and one thing to say about things is that people in so what I used to like necessarily like again. I was telling my friend there were some times that you know I was at people getting married and I was like, oh my god, I want this and you know years down I'm now like I don't really care about the wedding anymore. So there's that place of always wanting to know where you are at as a person, reflect and asking yourself, Am I still the way I am? Sometimes taking objective steps. At this point in the podcast, our village people wanted to rear their ugly head. <laughs> I was saying that there's this book, Five Languages of Love, Five Love Languages, whatever you want. And the book was authored by Gary Chapman. So there's this um, online test that has the five love languages. And then you take the test based on the few scenarios and they tell you what is your primary love language and the others that follow. And I took that test a couple of years ago and I saw my primary love language at the time. And, you know, I, I ran with it. And then I took the test a few weeks, I mean, a few months ago, and I have changed a lot. Completely. I used to be way back and now in front. Some of the things that I thought I needed before have changed because mm. people evolve, people yeah. change. Yeah. So you cannot be stuck up on the idea of who you were before. And these things happen with your goals as well. It happens entering medical school. I told myself I wanted to become a psychiatrist. I love the mind. I love talking about those things and everything. And at this stage in my life, that goal has changed. It has to a large extent. And sometimes we have to agree with the fact that I have changed, but the truth is we do. So that's why it's important. I think self-reflection is important for everybody. Because even if people don't know you, it's a pity if you don't know yourself. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, so, so that's that's it. So, um, one last thing before we go. Um, so, what can we expect from you in the next couple of weeks? You know, I hope you're going to start doing that your YouTube channel stuff. I'm supposed to. I am honestly. It's on my mind. Even today, I still thought about it. So, yes, I'm hoping I can. I really want to. There are a lot of things in my head building. So, yes, that is possibly going to come back. I'm not going to make promises because life, but I really want to. No problem, no problem. Anyways, it's been really, really fun talking to you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for the invite. Sorry, sorry that I took your evening. I know saying now you're supposed to sleep for... No, it's not. I, I told you I <laughs> don't, don't do this to me now. Don't let people think I want old woman that sleeps at 8 o'clock. Come on. No, voila, no, voila. Anyways, I really, really appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk later now. All right. So, thank, thank you. you. Have a wonderful night rest. Bye yeah. bye. Bye.
so that brings to a close my episode with Tolulope. I hope you guys enjoyed. I'm sure it was very insightful. And I really appreciate her taking time to really record this and speak to me about some of what, what, what basically just about stuff. And it's really, really nice. Uh, um, by the way, you could reach out to Tolulope via her Twitter handle at, uh, at T0 underscore 0LU. So at to Lu, but the Olu is in zero, not the traditional O. So at T O T zero rather underscore zero L U. So you could reach out to her. If you have medical questions, she's also very good at uh, making threads about uh, you know conventional medicine and stuff. So you could always reach out to her if you have concerns and uh, you know just enjoy um so i would like to use this opportunity once again to thank you guys for listening to this episode i really appreciate it as always i look forward to recording the next one i'm sure i'm going to have another amazing guest on air with me so if you guys have any comments questions please feel free to share in the comment section under the link and um have a wonderful new week uh, more blessings and as much as possible try to know yourself uh, i think that's for me that will be the takeaway from my episode with her try to know yourself and um, keep evolving and allow yourself the, the liberty to grow you know you know life is not life is really really not that complicated but you know do what you have to do love yourself know yourself and then um, enjoy so for my end is see you to the next episode bye Come and share my blessings. Whatever puts a hand on me. Come and share my blessings. Whenever puts a hand on me.